If I got 50 cents for every failed math exam, I'd have $6.30 now. Welcome, a gob, another Vieira Vault, as promised. Yes, it's my only podcast now, and I'm very dedicated to this. And as promised, I've been putting up one up every week, and it's next week there'll be a new one. This is a special one. This is a crossover episode where I do with uh, Nate Bushy Atchison from The Plug. And he's going to put it up as well. But his version, I'm sure, is going to be longer than mine because our conversation was like two hours long. But what I'm going to do with this episode, which I haven't edited it yet, but I'm going to do it now. I'm going to cut it where all we do is talk about The Shining and, you know, maybe a couple little other things because it's probably, you know, part of the flow. But I'm sure his version will be much longer. So check out the plug with Nate. I'm sure I'm going to put mine up before his, though. (laughs) I'm quick at editing, you know. Anyway, uh, let's get into it, man. Here's the crossover episode with Bushy. All right. Now it's the crossover show. The Vieira Vault meets The Plug with Bushy. Hi, Bushy. Hey, Ralph. How you doing, man? Uh, I, I was going to say thanks for having me on, but fucker, I called you. <laughs> yeah, it was your idea, man. Your idea to do this. And uh, then I was like, uh, all right. And then I thought, fuck, man. I want to I talk about it on the Vieira Vault, too, because it was initially just for The Plug. But, you know. Hey, man, uh, Vieira Vault is now officially my only podcast, and I want it to be very busy, and I got a lot of things set up, but what Bushy and I are going to do is a two-parter. Yes. Uh, We're going to talk about The Shining on this episode, and then uh, the next episode will be us talking about Dr. Sleep. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I'm I'm glad you were down for this, because I think your Vieira Vault podcast, by the way, I'm sorry to see Rock and Metal Combat podcast go. Uh, I have stayed out of the drama. That's that's kind of my thing. There is I mean, there is there is no drama. I mean, we it was a great run, six years I think. I don't know. Yeah. You know you know more about the podcast than I do. Um, and uh, I think we ended really good. I mean, as far as the quality of shows, and uh, it just I don't know. It just uh, reached its peak. I, I think I, you know I've done I've done just as much as uh, Ian has as far as the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. And uh, I'm not going to look for somebody to do a show with because I really don't think I'll find anybody as good as Ian. I'm just doing my thing. Let me put it that way. And and, and I wish him the best. Whatever he does, great, man. He, and I'm sure he'll do great. He's a funny guy. And, oh, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we, we all know you will as well. And um... Everything happens for a reason. And I feel like, you know, he needs to do his thing. I need to do mine. And uh, I'm sure he'll do just fine. And there's no jealousy. There's no me wishing he does bad. No, if anything, I hope he does great. You know, I mean, I I, I, I hold no ill will toward him. Uh, I, I, I like, like, the last shows, even though I'm complaining and Ian complains on some episodes, we're complaining about music, not about ourselves. We're not right. fighting amongst ourselves. None of that came on the show. Uh, so that's how I want to keep it. So, you know, like The Shining, let it be mysterious to a lot of people. Because <laughs> some people just don't understand it. I didn't. You know, the first time I saw The Shining, I hated it. I now, found it. Did, did I you found, read the book? No, I don't read, dude. I'm not that smart. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, you know, I, I've read books, but, you know, I'm not a fan of novels. I, I, I zone out too much. I have a... Uh, what's that called? Oh, like ADHD? Yeah, I have that. Or ADD? It was tough me graduating high school. It was really hard. But um, I've read a couple novels. What really keeps me interested is like books about musicians, you know, because I get to read about, you know, this and that. But, you know, I've tried. I've tried to read some books and I'm kind of like, uh, oh, man, let me go back to the page because I wasn't analyzed. What was just, it's like I read, but it doesn't process. Okay, I got you. See, right, right now, I'm in the process of reading two books at the same time. So. <laughs> as far as the Shining book and the Doctor Sleep book, I'm kind of well-versed in it with what people have said. 
about the differences in the movies and the book. And, uh, you know, because, uh, I mean, we'll get into it in Dr. Sleep, but I know how the book, The Shining, ends. It doesn't end like it does in the movie. Right. Well, there's so many differences in uh, Stanley Kubrick's version. Well, Kubrick, yeah, I, I understand that Kubrick only used, like, kind of like the, the main theme of it, but he made up a lot of shit. Yeah, and, you know what he did. He did a great job. Now I'll admit that when I first saw The Shining, I didn't necessarily get it either. But that's because I was a huge fan of the Stephen King novel. Um, now I've never read Doctor Sleep, so I don't know what those differences are. I do. And I like how Doctor Sleep, the film, took off where The Shining, the film, left off. You know. Um, you know, going back to the Overlook, all those things, that should have never happened because in the end of the book, the hotel explodes right. you know, of The Shining. So I like to, if you're going to make this movie and make it work, you had to continue it with the Stanley Kubrick version. And I think Kubrick does an amazing job here. I mean, there's there's a lot to talk about as you go through it. I think I think this film is done in like three acts. I don't know if you would agree or not. And uh, for me... It's that middle act is actually the best part of the movie. You know, the beginning's boring, the end's insane, but that descent into madness is like some of the best stuff in that film. Right, and I'm glad you brought up the beginning is boring. I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly how it felt back then. Now, I find the the beginning enthralling. You really? see, the, the difference between The Shining... And Dr. Sleep is that The Shining drags. Dr. Sleep doesn't drag at all. Not at all. I mean, and I haven't seen a three-hour version. That's, But it's two and a half and, hours. And, and you're like, oh, oh my God, dude. it's over? No, no. <laughs> and the three hours the same way. It doesn't drag. But what I love about The Shining is the dragging part, now that I've seen it so many times, it's fucking awesome. It's not like, you know, I don't find it boring anymore. I find it, look, uh, you should you should like make a day or you know just daily go on YouTube and look at all these theories people have. I mean, there's one guy that says the whole movie revolves around a red book on the guy's desk that's interviewing you know Jack Torrance. Really? You know? And and he makes sense. There's so many things that make sense that you don't realize watching the movie that people bring up. All right. Let, Let's. I mean, we're not going to go through this chronologically. Let's just like jumble it up, man. Sure, sure. All right. The theory of how did Jack get out of that locker? You know, there's so many theories. Man, this one guy brought up a theory that makes so much sense. You know, when Jack is in there trying to get out, you know that long stick on that door? Right. You know, Stanley Kubrick, like the guy's like saying... He really wants you to focus on that stick because Jack keeps looking at it. He keeps fucking with it. And the thing is that why wouldn't there be an escape stick in a, in a, in a locker? Why wouldn't there be an escape route? What would you want to lock in a lot? It's not like you're going to keep tigers in there. Right. You know, if a human gets locked in there and no way out, that stick will help him get out. That's one theory of how he got out. The other theory how he got out, that actually there is like, you know, a uh, supernatural being, you know, the, the guy that he talked to, uh, he got out. He got him out. And then there's another theory that Danny got him out. Now, and that one makes a lot of sense, too, because if you notice the scene where Jack is trying to get out and he's talking to the guy to let him out and you hear the door open, like the following scene is Danny in the room with a knife going red rom red rom like where's mom in a uh, way it's kind of it's kind of warning her we're going to get murdered right you know it's like a warning another thing is when she locks him in the door he she, you know th this is the brilliance of S Stanley Kubrick he puts shit in scenes that man you got to pause and look at shit to really analyze when he, she locks him in the room and he's trying to get out come on when you get me out and she's like walking away Behind her, there's a there's a box of Frosted Flakes facing the, the door, which is Tony the Tiger. 
right. which is Danny's little imaginary friend is Tony. Tony, yeah, the, the little man that lives with his mouth. Yeah, and they were saying that the theory is he was in that, uh, you know, he's hiding in the kitchen. There is also um, another door in that locker that they don't really show, but, you know, the, the guy paused it and everything, and, like, if you look at the shelf, there's a little line that looks like it could be a door. He could have cut out of that door. Nobody can explain where the fuck the axe came from that he got. They're thinking, well, maybe he got the axe from the store, from from inside the locker, and he chopped his way out, you know? I mean, there's so many different theories. And then there's a scene where, you know, Jack is walking through the hotel with the, with the, knife, with the axe. He walks by the locker, and you see the door wide open. Right. Which is, you know, his way, Stanley Kubrick's way of saying, look, here's the door. He got out of his door. It's just bizarre shit. There's so I've much I've never shit. even seen any of these videos. I'll definitely have to, uh, to, to, to look those up. They're all long, but they're very intriguing. Yeah, most of them are 20 minutes or so, but they're very intriguing. Like all these uh, theories about The Shining, you know, the whole Indian burial ground. There, you see like Indians... Um, uh, pictures on walls. You see, like in the locker, there's like I think it's like oatmeal with a with an Indian on it. I mean, Stanley Kubrick was very meticulous in every little scene. I mean, there's that scene, you know, the scene where where Jack is like freaking out and the wife wakes him up and he's like ooh, like freaking out. I think it's either that scene or the scene he's where he's having that he's having that bad dream. That's one where he's like worst dream he ever had. Yeah, where he that... said he he actually murdered his family. Yeah. But there's also a theory that, you know, he's, he's lying. He actually dreamed about molesting Danny. Oh, <laughs> but if you look closely at that scene, there's a chair behind them. And then they go back and the chair's gone. And then it keeps reappearing. And what people's theory is that Stanley Kubrick was so meticulous that he would not do that as a mistake. Right. He did that shit as purpose, on purpose, you know. Yeah, he's very, uh, I guess the filmmaker I could uh, compare Kubrick to today. And I don't know that he's as good as he was at the beginning, is um, M. Night Shyamalan. i never seen it. Uh, he's oh, oh one, that's his name. That's his he, name. Yeah, he did The Sixth Sense. Oh, I love that movie. It was brilliant. And I have never been more floored in a film than when you find out that Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. Yep. And I had to go and watch um, you know, all that behind-the-scenes stuff that comes with your DVDs and Blu-rays. And it, Shyamalan did the same kind of thing, only he tells you. I've never seen any uh, uh, interviews where Kubrick tells you. But Shyamalan told you, every time you're seeing Bruce Willis in that film, you're seeing something that's red every time. The doorknob to, uh, you know, the basement office he has. Uh, everything is in red. You, it doesn't even click that he wears the same two outfits the entire time. It's the one he had on during the day and then the one he was killed in. Right. You know, it's he, he was very sure to keep those things in the film the whole way and hide it right in front of your face. And Kubrick does a lot of that in this movie. Yeah, it, it... And, and Sixth Sense, I only watched once because I'm like, well, you know, I know the ending, but I, I, now I want to watch it again to see the little hints, you know? Oh, it's 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 beautifully done. If you sit there and actually watch it, the whole time you're watching this movie, it is telling you that he is dead. It's but you just, don't realize it's, it. It's just filmed in a way that you don't realize him. Well, you know, I mean, well, Christ, uh, you think he's talking to the little boy's mom the whole time. Yeah. She doesn't that, even know he's there. Yeah, and, and you think that she was listening to him. Right. You know, I, I remember that scene. Another movie like that is The Others. You ever seen The Others? No, I haven't. Oh, I'm not going to spoil it. You need to see The Others. You want to talk about, it's kind of like Sixth Sense meets The Shining. Is this a World War II set movie where she's got her two kids with her? Yeah, in a house. Yeah, and, yeah. And she has to close the shade. I have seen it. I would have to rewatch it, but yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I do remember the end of it going like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, <laughs> you know, she has to have the shades closed because the kids don't like the light and shit yeah. like that. Yeah, 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 yeah I, I have seen that. It is real good. But um, yeah, and you know, and I know, I know a lot about the book. I know the guy that played Scatman Crothers doesn't die in the book. 
Right. Um, and um, and uh, Jack doesn't freeze in the book. No, uh, it, it's set around kind of like the ending of Doctor Sleep with the boiler. Uh, they, ex- so, you know, on the Doctor Sleep Blu-ray that I got, there's a bonus feature with interviews where the guy that made the movie is sitting right next to Stephen King. And Stephen King loved that he did that. You know, he really loved how he 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 mixed his book with Stanley Kubrick's vision. And, you know, the, the, the big thing is that, you know, Stephen King hates what Stanley Kubrick did. But I think he's warmed up to it in that interview. He seems to like what Stanley Kubrick did. Shit, he greenlighted well, after this all these years. He, yeah, you know what? The popularity, <laughs> he'd almost have to just get on board. He has to, man. And it's just, you know, it, I didn't get it when I was younger. I mean, I was, I was more like, you know, like like how kids are today with YouTube. You know, just ten minutes, get to the point. You know, don't bore us, get to the course. Right. But now that I'm older, man, I gotta tell you. Uh, the Shining definitely is in my top five, maybe even my top three movies of all time. And it never gets boring. And and I always see something new when watching it. And there's little things. I mean, man, I mean, there's um the last time I watched it, you know, the part where where Jack Torrance is in the in the hotel, like sitting on the couch and they come up to him. I never noticed he was reading a copy of Playgirl. Did you ever know that? Notice that? No, and I just watched it today. Uh, yeah, he's watching a, uh, he's reading a, a copy of Playgirl, which shows you know, and the the actual Playgirl cover, which I saw in one of these videos, it says, uh, "Family incest: Why children sleep with their parents," which is wow. another another hint that Kubrick has given you that he molested his kid, and you know, and then the scene where. You know, you would never hurt mommy and daddy. And she's like, he's like, no, no. You know, he ends up molesting them right after that scene because that's the scene after where his shirt is torn and shit with the, you know, with his bruise. And then later she's like, oh, it was some old lady in, you know, room 237 that did it. And you look at Jack's face and he's kind of like, no, it wasn't. It was me. But he acted, he was like, I'll go look at the room. You know, it's right. these little hints. That That's insane. So- I have never in my life heard the, uh, the the molestation theory ever. I'm going to have to check these videos out. Yeah, and and I mean, but you know, there's also like, I mean, people get so into it that a lot of that there's uh, some out there that say the 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 sweater Danny's wearing, the Apollo 13, uh-huh. it's a it's a phallic symbol going up to his mouth, you know. Also, the scene where the bear is giving the guy head, where in the book, see, show, it shows you, I haven't read the book, but the book, it's a guy in a dog suit. Right. But in this, in this uh, scene, the guy is giving the dude head. Then they, they, the guy um, equates it with Danny brushing his teeth because he's uh, over the, uh, you know, they only show like, they don't show the upper body, but they show him kind of bent over over the sink. Where the door frame is blocking it, uh-huh. and then like he comes up and there's foam in his mouth. I mean, that's how perverted people think, you know. And um, that's insane. I'm starting to think maybe those people have problems. <laughs> either that or Kubrick, man, because Kubrick does these little things that you don't really notice, and people catch on to it. There's a thing I wanted to watch this before we did this podcast, and I know it was on Netflix. It's not there anymore. It's the, the most brilliant documentary on The Shining called Room 237. It's long, but this guy, like, this guy really, really nitpicks that whole movie. And huh. I, I wanted to watch it because it's been years, and I, want, and I went to watch it last night. It's not long, no longer there, and, but I, I'll find it. You know, Maybe I can see it before we do Dr. Sleep and give a little recap of the shit we forget to talk about The Shining. But... The whole point of the Shining movie is, uh, you know, it's just you really need to analyze every little aspect of it because there's hints all over it that, look, for example, right now, you're like, wow, I didn't even realize the, the molestation thing. Well, I mean, I, I didn't read the book, but isn't it, doesn't he molest Danny in the book? Not that I remember. I don't have any recollection of that at all. Well, I know he abuses him. And he knocked his shoulder out. 
I mean, right. that's what they played in the movie. So, and it, admittedly, sure. it's been years since I read the book. Right. I uh, could be wrong, but I think he molested him in the book. I think where Cupid kind of left that out. Uh, but he gave hints, you know, the Playgirl magazine, the bending over, the, the guy in the bear suit. And that's another thing, the bear suit. Now, this is another thing I saw on YouTube that was very, very interesting. Um, in Danny's room, and it's just a little shiny scene that, you know, it goes by quick. Above his bed, there's a painting of two bears, one down and one standing up. And then there's another scene where it's a painting of two little naked kids one down one standing up it's all these little innuendos that this guy puts into the movies that if you don't really like analyze this shit you're gonna miss it and and you need youtube to realize all this man because a lot of stuff is like it's so minute in the scene because you're kind of like um distracted by the dialogue that you're not seeing what's around the room. Right, because you're paying attention to the characters. Exactly, you're paying attention to what they're talking about. And we have to remember that the Overlook Hotel in itself is a character, so we should be paying attention to everything going on. Yeah, and the Overlook Hotel had paintings of, of uh, Indians. Um, and then there's a scene where she's running toward, uh, toward Jack that there's a bear on the floor, like a bear rug, and right. his mouth is wide open. With the you know the the, the bear guy giving head, uh, and then also uh, the little girls, the twins, when they have that flash where she's he's looking at that elevator with all the blood pouring out, uh-huh. and and it shows his mouth wide open. Then it shows the little girls and his mouth wide open again. Then they show the bear with the mouth wide open. I mean, there's all these little things that that kind of like equate each other. It, these people on YouTube could be wrong. But knowing Kubrick's mind, they could be right, you know, because there's just so small that, you know, you're going to miss it, you know. But then, you know, there's a lot of people that look into everything and say, oh, that means this, this means that. We're unclear because we'll never know. And another thing about Stanley Kubrick that I discovered on these YouTube things, every interview he did, they couldn't release it. He had to overlook it afterwards. And then he would say, okay, you can release that interview. You can oh, really? Yeah, it was kind of a cause. Like, if you release this interview, I'm going to sue the fuck out of you if you don't get my permission. So, you know, they ask him about the photo at the end of the movie. They ask him, uh, you know, certain things. And there's some interviews he did that he contradicts some of his stories. And I think that's his brilliance. He does that on purpose. Because, of course, he has to okay the interviews. Right. Therefore, he wants people to think, Oh, it's about this. No, but Stanley said it was about that. Yeah, but he also said it was about this. So Stanley, I think, is just fucking with people. And and I'll tell you something else. Very brilliant. I found on a on a YouTube video the maze. The maze is not in the book, as no, I understand. No, it's uh, it's actually hedges uh, that are trimmed to look like different animals. And you know, in the book, you know, Danny's on the swing outside playing. And the hedges, you know, they start coming to life and moving closer and closer and closer to them. You'll build up that kind of suspense. There was never any hedge maze at all. Yeah, but check this out. This is so brilliant. You know, there's a scene, they show the opening. You know, this is there in the daytime before the last scene. They show the opening of the maze where you can go in. Right. And there's trees around it. And then there's another scene where they're going by the opening where there's no trees. And then when they go into the maze where there's no trees, they zoom into uh, uh, like a map of the maze, like a big, bo- uh, like a little billboard of it. Right. And it shows only one opening on the billboard, but there's part of the maze that's covered by a little sign that says, you know, the name of the maze and stuff. And that could be where the other opening is. Sure. It's so fucking brilliant. It's so brilliantly done. And I think that's something Kubrick did come up with. You know, cover that up with a little sign in the in the actual map. But they they show you one part has trees of the opening, and then another opening has no trees. You know, it's just amazing. That's why this movie is so amazing and worth watching multiple times. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and never fails to terrify. 
You know, oh, it is, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's what I like about a specific kind of horror film. Cause I'm not necessarily into your blood and gut slasher movies. Um, mm. they just keep getting grosser and grosser and grosser. And it's just a matter of, you know, can we make you puke <laughs> is what yeah. those films are. Where this, this movie, is such a yeah. mental mind fuck. And, and it shows love. That's another thing you don't get in horror movies. There is a loving, you know, there's loving scenes in the movie which brings in that human factor. Right. Where a, a lot of slasher movies is just like, you know, just getting hacked and no love whatsoever. And that's another unique thing about The Shining. It has a very big human factor to it. And the scenes that you find boring, which I found boring, now looking at it, it's got, God damn, this is so interesting. Well, you know, they're, it, they're there because you, you've got to build a story. You know, right. the the social worker coming and talking to Wendy. You know, uh, I used to hate Shelley Duvall in this movie. I hated her. I was like, the only reason this bitch got this role is because she can scream and look scared. Because yeah. she just doesn't come off as a good actress to me. But then you watch uh, Popeye, and I thought she was amazing as fucking olive oil. You know, go figure. Right. But when you go back and watch it, like I just watched it today... The commitment she has to her nonchalance when she's speaking with the social worker about uh, uh, Danny's accident, as they call it. You know, when uh, Jack tried to pull him away from his papers, you know, dislocates his shoulder. She's just so nonchalant about, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just one of those things. It just, it happens. Yeah, in denial, in denial of, of the problem, really. The thing yeah. that, unique about Shelley Duvall, and I, and I noticed this the first time I saw the movie, I was kind of like, wow, it's a little contradicting because she's the victim, but she looks creepy as fuck, you know? She right. looks like she should be the murderer, you know? It's, yeah, and, absolutely. And, and another thing, you brought up the, the, the part where the girl is analyzing Danny in bed. There were little things there, too. He's laying down, and there's a bear under him, and the bear's eyes is squinting. And the guy found like one of those catalogs in the seventies where they bought that bear, and the eyes are perfectly rounded. So that seems kind of like a little hitting meeting there too. Another thing, his Danny's pants are off. Right, he's, he's just staring at his little tidy whities in a shirt. He's covering his genitals the whole scene. Yes, which is you know that's another thing that you know equates to his molestation, and um, it's just every little detail of this fucking movie. It has uh, a deeper meaning that, uh, like, you know, it's just like a bed of what really went on. Because there's certain things. See, Dr. Sleep, which we'll get into. Boy, that shit's blunt. I mean, that shit's to the point. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's in your face. It, it, I don't, it lets you know what's going on. I don't think there's no hidden meaning in Dr. Sleep at all. I don't think if you go back, which I have seen it three times now. Two times in the theater, and I finally saw the unedited. I bought it. I got the... On uh, the the unedited version, which you know the un dude, I'm telling you, I can't stress it enough. There's scenes from Doctor Sleep that are longer in the unedited version that are very important to the movie. I'm not gonna ruin it for you, but like you know, I'll give you a scene where it's very important in the movie, where you know the uh, I keep forgetting his name, the character's name, but the Scatman Crothers character when he first talks Dick to Danny, yeah, when yeah when he first talks to Danny on the park bench. That seems very extended, and there's things he says. Oh, that when are Danny's very still a, with Danny's still a little boy, we're still yeah. at the, okay. Yeah, that scene is extended, and it explains more of you know, uh, I believe Rose the Hat and shit like that. You know, it's very very important. You know, I got a question before we go into Doctor Sleep because I have yet to go on Wikipedia. Holy fuck, that guy. That plays uh, like the main guy, the the lover or the main guy with a uh, rose to hat. Is that one of the Backstreet Boys? Uh, I, I, I gotta I gotta look, dude. The guy looks exactly like one of the Backstreet Boys. I uh, I I think we actually talked about that um, when I called you because nobody else had seen it that I could talk to. Yeah, I got and, a Wikipedia that. And you had finally gone and seen it. I was like, holy fuck! I gotta call you. We gotta talk about this movie because I was blown away too. I, I want to say I don't think so. I know one of the guys that was in that group is the guy that was in uh, uh, Sons of Anarchy. 
Um, and I know that the guy that played the uh, the Jack Torrance role, you know, uh, Dan's dad, is uh, Elliot from E.T. Oh, I didn't know that. See, I saw the making of shit, but they didn't they didn't bring that up. But they showed him, you know, he's completely bald. And that's a wig he's wearing, you know, like a Jack Nicholson type receding hairline wig. Nice. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. I didn't realize it was Elliot from E.T. Yeah, that's, that's cool. that that's that little boy. Uh, and he yeah. uh, he's not one of my favorite actors or anything, but he is in about half of what probably my all time favorite movie. Um, it's him, Brad Pitt, Aiden Quinn, Anthony Hopkins, Legends of the Fall. That's that's up uh, there. It's number one or number two for me. All time favorite movie. I know of it. I haven't seen. That's where Brad Pitt has long hair, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just a brilliant movie. You know, it is, it's a good long one, too. It's, like, it's a couple hours. And, and, you know, like The Shining, it's got parts that kind of they kind of drag, but they're very important to the story. However, there's nothing hidden in it. You know, right. it's, it's, it's not like <clears throat> when Kubrick filmed this, everything is there for a reason. You can take nothing for granted, which is why it, you know, gets better you know, on, on multiple watches. Cause, cause like you were saying, you always find something and you're telling me stuff that even I haven't caught yet. Yeah, no, believe me. I mean, there's still a lot of YouTube videos I got to watch. It's endless. It's endless. All these theories. Um, I want to talk about what I feel is the most important scene of the shining is the red bathroom. Um, that kind of like in a way it's like, you, you might not catch it, but I think that's the most blunt that movie gets. It, uh, very much so. That's what, um, ah, oh God, the previous uh, caretaker was uh, talking to him. Yeah. What the hell was that guy's name in the movie? Uh, Grady. Yeah. Uh, he bumps into uh, Jack in the ballroom. There's a party going on. Um, and this is one of the things that annoys me uh, before we get into the red bathroom, because that's basically where all is revealed, if you ask me. Yeah, I, 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 I think agree so with too. you there. And you don't really catch it if you're not paying attention. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But here's what it always means. Well, I'll just Jack say this. I'll let, you go. I'll let you go on. But all I can say is that red bathroom, to me, explains that photo at the end of the movie. But go on. Oh, yeah. And I, I definitely want to get into that because that's, like I said, it's an important scene. The two times that uh, Jack Torrance is in the bar. And you've got the the bartender there. And I can't remember what his name is either without looking it up quick. But uh, Jack says he's a bourbon man. Fucking bartender pours him Jack Daniels whiskey. Right. It's it's not bourbon. <laughs> it annoys the fuck out of me. Well, no, no, that is bourbon. Jack Daniels is bourbon. No, it's whiskey. Are you sure? I could have sworn it's bourbon. Jim Beam is bourbon. All bourbon right. tends to be a Kentucky beverage. Uh, whiskey is more of a Tennessee thing. And uh, trust me, with Kristen all this time, <laughs> I know all about Jack Daniels whiskey. <laughs> it's well, a whiskey, so do not, I. You know, it's a whiskey, not a bourbon. That was my drink of choice when I used to drink. I've I've developed a taste for it. Wait, 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 wait. I got to stop you for a second. I just Wikipedia Jack Daniels. The product meets the uh, regulatory criteria for classifications as straight bourbon. Though the company uh, devours this classification, it's market the liquor simply as Tennessee whiskey rather than Tennessee bourbon. So it is. It is really classified. Uh, see, I knew it, dude. It's. It's. You see, you got brainwashed by Jack Daniels saying, "No, we're not bourbon." But here it says it. The product meets the regular regulatory criteria for classifications as straight bourbon. It's that Jack Daniels doesn't want you to think it's bourbon. I got you. Okay, tricky bastards. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, I guess it was bourbon you know. I'm sure the people at Jack Daniels were pissed off at, you know, at this guy using Jack Daniels as bourbon, you know. You motherfucker, we don't want people to think it's bourbon. <laughs> right, because they've had me thinking my whole life is whiskey. Yeah. I wonder what, I'll, I'll, I'll have to go research that when I'm like just bored out of my skull. What What is the classification that allows you to call yourself bourbon? Yeah, straight As opposed bourbon. to whiskey. Yeah. Says uh, classification as straight bourbon, not just regular bourbon. <laughs> well, we don't want to drink gay bourbon. I mean, come on. 
but but I gotta tell you, man, uh, going back to that scene, the the bathroom, um, it really does say, you know, if you die at the Overlook Hotel, you become part of the staff. Right. It's a very very evil scene, you know. Grady's telling Jack at this point. Your purpose in being here is to kill your family and join us. You know, the little girls keep trying to get Danny to join them. Danny's shine. I think it helps them, you know, when Tony completely takes over. Because there becomes a point where, and and it's after the Room 237 uh, scene, that Danny's not even there anymore. This is all Tony talking. And I, I don't think you get a full view of, uh, of of Danny again until he's doing the Red Rum scream. Because I think once he starts screaming at Red Rum, Red Rum, Red Rum, that's when Danny has come back. Right. You know, but I think that shine that he has, it actually protects him. He's able to see all this shit. His reaching out to Dick Halloran helps him. But that, you know, Tony, the little man that lives in his mouth, Blocking him out of all consciousness, you know, so Danny's not even there, actually saves Danny because Danny could have been taken in. You know, he could have become a part of the hotel himself. And there's also a theory that Danny, uh, Tony molested Danny. And that's in the scene where the chicks, you know, what did Danny ever let make you do something? I mean, did Tony ever make you do something? He's like, I don't want to talk about Tony anymore. Right. He yeah. just He just cuts it off. Yeah, because he's like, uh, and that's that a theory is that he's got molested by this his imaginary character, you know? That's insane to think your mind could even fuck you that way. Yeah. Well, who knows? It could actually be a person. I mean, the way that this guy's mind works, you know, but maybe Tony is an actual person, you know? Right. We don't know, you know? We just don't know. But, you know, the, the theory of the end of the movie with, you know, Jack in the picture, which, by the way, that's an actual real picture from the 20s. It wasn't staged. That Kubrick wanted to stage it. But when he saw that picture, he said, I can never recreate this picture better with a, a staged, you know, crew. Right. So all he did was superimpose uh, Jack's head on a guy that was completely bald. Where he, That went into a whole different theory, too. Like, there's balding people, but the one guy right in the center, completely bald. You know, they, they put Jack on there, but and which coincides with the red bathroom scene. You know, he died. Now he's part of the Overlook Hotel. Right. And he, he's a staff member. Yeah. You know, and, and you can see him. He's trying to put shit together when he hears his name. Grady, huh? You know, and he's he's counting shit on his fingers. You can see him working it through as as this other grown man is wiping him off. I That was always, to me, kind of disturbing letting another grown man wet you down and wipe you off, clean you off. That That's weird. Yeah. But that could go back to the uh, the whole molestation thing. The uh, the fact, I'm going to have to watch this again after we're done here because I, I did not see that that was a Playgirl. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is obviously the, the male version of Playboy. It's all nude men in that back. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, if you're a man watching it, you're obviously attracted to men. Right. And not to say gay guys molest little kids, but I'm just saying, you know. Right, yeah, let's not, Jesus Christ, let's not get that backlash. That's not what we're saying. <laughs> That's what Kubrick's saying, not us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But how broken down mentally do you have to be that you're there, you're semi-lucid, I guess, and another grown man is cleaning you off? And you're sitting here trying to figure out, wait a second, you're not supposed to be here. That was that was my cheesy oh, Jack yeah. Nicholson impression, by the yeah, way. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. <laughs> not bad. No, it was horrible. No. See, I I'm on the right now because I'm trying to... F- There's a line he says, uh, Grady, that just stuck out to me. And I saw it on here earlier. Wasn't it, uh, you, you've always been here? Not that one, although that's important. But it's when he's talking about uh, taking care of his family. There's a way he says it. And, God, it was in here. I read it earlier. And I just wish I could find it. Because I think that's just brilliant. Because at that point, Grady goes from the, you know, soft British, oh, hello, sir, I'm so terribly sorry, to this guy that's telling him, you need to handle this. That's what it is. 
they must be corrected. That's what it is. Right. Says oh, that, that's uh, right. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, because he tells, he tells Jack that Danny uh, has... I, are we allowed to say that word? I don't want to say that word. The, he has an Edward coming here. You remember know that? You, you know, the, the cook. Okay. And uh, he says he has a talent. He reached out to him and they must be corrected. His wife and child. And he gets so stone cold, so malicious looking. He switches from that jovial, you know, butler from the Jeeves kind of attitude into you need to handle this. He's speaking for the overlook at that point. And that's kind of when that flip is, or that uh, switch is flipped, if you ask me. And this is what I like about Kubrick's film, as opposed to King's book, because he never gets out of the insanity in the, in the movie. Never, right. it, it never leaves him until he freezes to death in the maze. At that point, he's just dead. In the book, the boiler downstairs snaps him back to reality. Oh, interesting. See, you know, I because, didn't know that. Because he's got to go down there to save the Overlook. You know, it, 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 in the movie, you never get that. He stays completely insane and hell-bent on killing his family. That's his whole purpose in life, is to kill them. Well, I mean, to me, it kind of sounds like he's still insane. <laughs> it's the hotel making him save the hotel. Again, that's true. But the boiler rumbling is starting to bang and clank because it's about to explode because the pressure is building up is what turns his mind to that. You know what I mean? Because I don't even think they ever make it outside in the book. God, I would have to go back and read it again. And there's another theory. There, here's another theory. You know when Danny does his uh, little foot footprint trick? Um, where he does the foot trim, then he covers his his tracks right. and confuses. Uh, that goes back to the earlier in the movie where Danny's watching the Roadrunner, saying he got the idea from that. Because you know how the Roadrunner always did like some clever shit to fucking to yeah. mess up the coyote, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's another theory. So many theories. It's yeah, endless. That's... And I'm not done with the YouTube thing. There's so many more I got to watch. It's just endless. Even when it came out, I was reading earlier, it was a slow mover. It, it had to build steam. You know, I think that's one of those movies that, uh, excuse me, the first time you might not get it all. I didn't get it. I hated it. And I hated it because I had read the book and this was not my book. You know what I mean? It's like the things that were the same was the shine, the character names, and a hotel. Well, the consensus is that uh, Kubrick made it better. That's that's what I've heard. That the I, I'm going to tell book. you as a man that grew up <coughs> reading the book and as a man that saw the miniseries. I don't know if you ever watched the miniseries. No, I've heard very bad things about it. Horrible. Yeah. It's great if you're such a diehard of the book, if you're such a diehard, the Kubrick version sucks, that this was made for you. Kubrick did it better. This is the way this is the way Stephen King should have wrote this son of a bitch. Right. Well, I mean, there are nods to the book in Dr. Sleep, as I saw through that DVD extra. And and uh Stephen King loved it. He's like, I loved how you combined my book and Stanley Kubrick's vision in this, you know. That's awesome. I because I was wondering about that. I know it had well, let's talk about that during Dr. Sleep. Um, the 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 differences of uh, you know the shining the the part of the shining in Doctor Sleep should be saved for that episode because if we keep talking about this shit it's gonna be a ten minute episode <laughs> you know and it's I very interesting and you guys you guys definitely gotta if you don't own that if you saw Doctor Sleep you live it and you don't own that check out the next episode I'll give you those little Easter eggs you know well you it's know? it's definitely movie of the year twenty nineteen no no doubt. Holy shit. I mean, I, I, I had slammed one of those big Coca-Colas. I had to piss like a Russian racehorse, dude. <laughs> and I refused to get up. I'm sitting there. You know how you got pissed so bad, your legs are shaking in and out, in and out. You're like slapping right. your balls together because you <laughs> don't want to get up and leave. You know, when I saw Dr. Sleep, the first time I saw it, uh, it was a matinee show. Nobody in the theater. Second time I saw it, the same thing. It was like, you know, a couple, and I, I make a point of being very many rows away because I piss in the cup. 
during the movie. I, I'm not lying. I do, not only Doctor Sleep. Every movie I see, I go. I have a theater literally one block from my house. I just nice. it takes me two minutes to walk there, and I go. I buy me a, a big soda or a big. You know, usually it's a big um, uh, lemonade or something because I don't really like soda much anymore. And because I don't like soda much anymore because I had kidney stones. Right. That's why. Not that I don't like the taste. I hate kidney stones. So oh, yeah, but hey, by the way, still one of the greatest live performances ever. You on the floor screaming because that oh, thing's moving your damn uh yeah. You know, in that line there. I actually had a kidney stone attack live on stage and yeah. I fell on the floor and screamed. And it was it was actually the part of the song where I had to scream. Yeah, it worked out. And I was like, Jesus, I wish I could have recorded that scream on the record. But that was <laughs> that was genuine. <laughs> but still one of the greatest live things I've ever seen. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I, I really, you know, every time I go to the theater, I use that cup to pee right during the movie. And then I walk out and I throw it right in the, there's a, there's a cup full of piss. I throw right in the little wastebasket on the way out. <laughs> True story. This is a special technique. If you pee on the side of the cup, you don't hear the tinkling. Now, if you pee straight down, you know, there's still, yeah. still ice there. You're going to hear... <laughs> Uh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do it, maneuver it perfectly, and piss on the side of the cup, and let it go down, and have the side, have the cup a little tilted, so nobody can hear anything. And also, wait for a noisy part in the movie, you know. <laughs> uh, and also, a ritual before the movie starts during previews: piss my ass off and go into the fucking bathroom and pee as much as you can. Absolutely. So, so then, cool. so you know, usually I start wanting to pee like an hour and a half into the movie. So, you know, and Dr. Sleep was what, two hours and a half? Two and, and a half, I, yep. And both times, man, I peed in a cup. Both nice. fucking. <laughs> what we haven't talked about is I don't think enough credit is given to the kid that played Danny. That was, that was a young boy. Oh, he was amazing. And he was uh, like looking at some making ofs. He was kind of, kind of like uh, Linda Blair in The Exorcist. They were kind of oblivious what they were exactly doing. Really? Um, yeah, they weren't really like, you know, you know, the, the scenes where, you know, even the horror scenes, they, they made it as comfortable as the kid. Uh, same thing with, uh, you know, which I don't know how they got away with, you know, not scarring Linda, uh, Linda Blair by saying, fuck me, Jesus, you know? Yeah, but, let Jesus fuck you, let Jesus fuck you. <laughs> I mean, she, yeah, she, she, you know, her thing is like, you know, after a scene, she'd go to her mom and her mom, how was it? Go, well, they made me say bad words. You know, like she was like kind of clueless, and I and the same thing with Danny. Danny, they kind of treated, they were very, very careful with him uh, in the movie, where it didn't like he was just a you know a free loving kid that uh, doesn't didn't really realize what he was doing in that movie. You know, so he was just responding to direction. They didn't necessarily have him in the scene, so to speak. It, right it is what I'm guessing. Yeah, they didn't. You know, he wasn't motivated. All right, in this scene, you're going to see two girls uh, with their with laying on the floor full of blood. Oh, that's another thing I want to bring up. Another theory. There's a theory that the two girls are actually one person, and it's very, very interesting because the scene when you see them both on the floor dead. Uh huh. If you really look at it, this is how they explained it. It's a mirror, and you see one girl looking one way. And then the other girl looking the other way, and they're kind of positioned the same way, where right. it kind of looks like it's mirroring each other. And you notice they both talk exactly at the same time. Always. You know, so there, there's a theory that, you know, when, when, she's look, when he's looking at the two girls in the hallway, it's a mirror that's making them two people. That's a theory. Yeah, that's yeah. another theory. That just gave me goosebumps. That's, that's, that's still, I mean, even listening to that, it's still such a horrifying image those two little girls Dude. what could be more innocent than two little girls talking but it's such a horrifying fucking image they're creepy looking i mean i'm telling you when i first saw the movie didn't like it that scene creeped me out yeah it play did. with us daddy jesus and, and every time they showed up like when they showed up in the little rec room which they explained the poster on the wall there's a skiing poster on the wall. That, yeah, so you're looking at posters and shit. Not no, watching I'm saying, the characters. <laughs> no, I'm saying when I looked at these YouTube videos. Oh, okay. They I bring up watch these videos. They're bringing. They brought up a youth uh, a poster on the wall which shows a guy skiing. 
And they do explain in the movie that's not a skiing type resort. But again, Kubrick did that on purpose. But what what was that kid's name that played Danny? I'm trying to find that because I'm I'm, I'm glad to Bobby Doll. No, Danny Lloyd. Yeah, Bobby Doll. He went on to be the bass player in Poison. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. You didn't know that? Stop it. I got another thing, another little theory that's the most, probably the most bizarre out of all of them, was in the Shining DVD, or Blu-ray, whatever I got, it has a behind-the-scene feature. Uh-huh. And, he, and, and there's a behind-the-scene feature that they feel that Kubrick staged. It's a part where, I forgot the actor's name, there was this famous actor that Jack Nicholson met in the, in the scene, and the guy is introducing his family to them. And, and there's two little girls in the, in the scene. And one of them is wearing the identical dress one of the twins are wearing. Oh, wow. And the other one, but you don't see her face. But the other one, she looks a lot. She's not one of the twins, but she looks a lot like her. And in when that behind-the-scene footage was filmed, they never did the twin scene yet. So they think that Kubrick set up that. <laughs> set up even a behind-the-scenes to go with the movie, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just crazy. It is nuts if it is true. Uh, but okay, uh, Danny, uh, Danny Lloyd that played Danny Torrance, he was eight when he did uh, The Shining because uh, he retired from acting at 10 after his appearance as young Liddy in the television film uh, Will G. Gordon Liddy. I don't know what the fuck that is, but that's a famous guy. I, I've apparently, heard apparently he was so he must have been eight years old. The Shining came out in eighty. Uh, dude, I'm, I'm looking at this. He had a cameo role as a spectator at the baseball game in in Doctor Sleep. Wow, cool. I didn't know that. No, me neither. It's just a cameo, no lines. Yeah, they didn't explain that. It's saying uh, in 2019, Lloyd appeared in a cameo role as a spectator at a baseball game in the Shining sequel, Dr. Sleep, his first acting role in 38 years. There's literally nothing on here about this guy. The personal life, all it says is Lloyd keeps his personal information mostly private, married to Jesse Diana, and has four children. That's all it says. Wow. All right. So I guess that's all we can say about The Shining this week. I'm sure we'll have a couple little... Things to say about Room 237. Oh, yeah, because uh, I'm definitely going out buying that something. I'm going to watch that son of a bitch. I'm going to watch all these other videos, too. Yeah, definitely watch all those YouTube conspiracy theories. They're they're really great. They could be wrong, but they they make sense, you know? And anything so, that inspires thought is not a bad thing. Exactly, and it is very thoughtful. Join us next week. Nate, I want to thank you. And I will see you next week for the Dr. Sleep slash Room 237 episode. Hey, I want to thank you because this is a crossover episode. It's going to be aired on both platforms. So thank Hell you yeah. for coming Hell on yeah. the Plug Podcast. That's right. And they'll both be differently edited. So, you know, Nate's going to edit his way. I do it my way. And uh, we'll see who finishes first. It's a race. Who puts, the, who puts <laughs> this up first? Oh, shit. Racing the great Dr. Fuck. We know I'm coming in dead last. Nah. <laughs> you never know. I Actually, I'm going to watch 237 now, so I ain't going to be editing tonight. I, I think I'm going to do the same thing, to be honest with you. Right on, brother. All right, Schmackamagob. Hey, you know what Schmackamagob means? I have no idea. Thank you for being on the show, Nate. And I was very uh, impressed by the Shining review we both did and next week's Dr. Sleep. Can't wait for that. Motherfuckers buy vinyl. Smack him up, a gob. You know what that means? <laughs> no. Thank you again, Nate. <laughs> you rule, Ralph. All right, there you go. We'll be back next week to do a Dr. Sleep review. And, uh, hey, I got an iTunes review. It's a five-star review. And the person's name is Jim Rayer. And he says, love Ralph's review and insight into music. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Jim. Everybody out there, uh, leave me an iTunes review, and uh, I'll read it on the air like this. So, as always, it's time to go into the vault. All right, we're inside the vault, and I'm going to play some Black Sabbath, man. Uh, They have a song called The Shining off the album The Eternal Idol, which is my favorite album with Tony Martin. But I'm going to play the demo version with Ray Gillen. So, uh, turn it up. This is awesome. 
There you go, the Black Sabbath demo for The Shining featuring the late great Ray Gillen. If you listen to my voice now, you rule a bit too hard, but I'm not complaining. Thank you so much for uh, listening, and we'll be back next week with 
another crossover episode with Bushy talking about Dr. Sleep. Till next time, smack a gob. <laughs>